As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Side by Roberts for Gellhart. This is Barr. Work the shooting opening and he's done more than that. Abdullah Barr strikes for Sunderland. A tragic moment for him, his first goal for the club. And Sunderland strike, just at the moment when Norwich seemed to be getting a grip of the game. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rope and Report podcast in association with the Sunday Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after an uncharacteristic, well, I'd say uncharacteristic for the last few weeks perhaps, uh, Sunderland victory away at Norwich City. Uh, it was a spirited performance, a battling performance, probably a result that not many of us expected after the last few weeks. And for once, I'm looking forward to talking about the game because it's been a bit of a slog the last few weeks. So uh, joining us is Phil. Hiya, mate. Hi, Gav. It was a surprise. I'm not going to not gonna lie. Uh, when, when the team was announced at 11am and we saw the starting 11, I've got to admit I wasn't I wasn't really looking forward to the game. It's the first time I've said that for a long time. I think it's been a tough week trying to trying to sort of shape my mentality coming into the game because just, you know, it's been really, really tough, really, to try and stay yeah. on the... Like I'm, I'm generally, more often than not, I'm really positive about Sunderland and trying my best to stay uh, level-headed about things and all that. But I have struggled a bit this week just because, especially of the, the Stoke game. And I didn't see that coming. and I don't think anybody did, but... It was, without a doubt, a deserved win for me. And I think, um, you know, the stats don't tell the full story. I've just looked there. Uh, They had 73% of the ball, but I actually think we were the better team and probably deserved the points, mate. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, Gav. I thought it was fantastic today. What I was looking for was a response because you can't play for something and get beat 5-1 as we did last Saturday and then, you know, not respond strongly the next game. That's not the way it works. You have to show yeah. some fight, some resilience, and that's what we were looking for today. I thought they were excellent, Gav. I really, really did. I'm with you regarding the team selection. When it came out, I was looking at it and thinking, it's a good team. It's a creative team. It looks a bit fragile. Obviously, we players in there like Dan Neal and maybe Edward Misha who aren't maybe at their best at this moment in time. Great to see O'Neill back in there as well. 
And obviously, Abdullah Bar, who I'm sure we'll touch on, I thought it was great to see him get his chance as well. So, Tony Mowbray made the changes. Obviously, to a certain extent, they were enforced because of Ahmad's absence, Pritchard's injury, etc. But the changes were made. And, you know, I, I thought, I'm sure we'll go into detail about the game. But overall, I thought it was a fantastic performance. The attitude for me, Gav, today was absolutely spot on. And that was the key for me. It was attitude, righting the wrongs of Stoke, proving that that was a one-off and that it wasn't representative of this team. Because we've mm. seen how good they've been this season. You know, they've been excellent. They've had some great football, had some great results. Last Saturday was an aberration. It was a really bad day at the office. Could they respond? In what was definitely a tricky game, you know, there was I think there was a lot of pessimism before the game starting this run of matches that we've got coming up, that this was going to be a really tricky opening. But I think they took us all by surprise, Gavin. Certainly, it was an excellent performance and a thoroughly deserved victory. Yeah, we've been asked by Jake Layton on Twitter. He said, is this win the most complete performance of the season? Only other I can think of is Redden away. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it too much. I mean, in terms of just turning up and doing a job, I think that that's about as good as it gets. You know, we as a team, as a team that was for me the best team performance I can remember in a while. And just you know, I don't think it was ever going to be a case of us turning up at Norwich and playing them off the park. No, uh, you know, and, and battering them like Stoke did to us last week. That wasn't going to happen. If we were going to get anything from the game, there was going to have to be a mental reset, and the players were going to have to accept that for a large part of the game. They weren't going to have the ball. They were going to have to graft. Some of the lads who don't really like to work back and, and muck in defensively, they were going to have to for the good of the team. And yeah. that was precisely what we saw. I mean, the, I think the commentators picked up on it at one point. Uh, Tony Mowbray screaming at Jack Clark, telling him to just defend because he kept wandering yeah. out of position and Max Ahrens was getting in behind him and stuff. But after that little word, Jack Clark was brilliant played you know defensively as good as anybody in the game yeah. so I, I think as a as a team performance certainly it's up there probably not as good as Redden away but I'm sat here now and I think you know there was there was a couple of shouts for man of the match but generally everybody everybody had a decent game didn't they it was a yeah. let's say a proper team performance it was yeah it was a back to basics performance for me Gav it was Let's be solid. Let's have a good platform. Let's give our attackers a foundation, you know, like the, on which we can build, and then they can do their thing. And I think that was a deliberate thing from Tony Mowbray. And I think that's why someone like Luke O'Neill obviously had such a big role to play because he, we know what O'Neill brings. He's solid. He's a grafter. He works hard for the team. And I think that was the key today, Gav. I think you're absolutely spot on there. What we needed were those organic qualities that every Sunderland team should have: work rate, desire, energy, aggression, not being too respectful of the opposition because. You know, we know Norwich are a useful team. You know, they were very good when we played them in the reverse fixture at our place. We were probably a bit unlucky to lose that game. We switched off for one moment and they scored the winner. So we know they're a good team, but we didn't show them too much respect. And I think that was important. It was, let's go down there, let's be strong, let's be solid, and then let's do the basics right, and then we'll earn the right to get our attacking game going. And I think that's exactly what they did. So for me, I think the balance was struck today. You know, we've often talked about, you know, have we sacrificed some physicality for some skill and so on and so forth. But I think... At Carroll Road, I think we got the balance absolutely spot on, and mm -hmm. it was really, really good. But you're absolutely right, Gav, as well. It was, you know, Mowbray, he needed his players to show that they had the heart for the fight. You know, again, we know the technical ability this team has got. We've seen it so many times. You mentioned the Redding game. Brilliant football, open game, perfect. Can they do it under pressure? Because they're under a lot of pressure in that game. You know, coming off the stroke result, needed to bounce back, and they did that. So, yeah, I think that in terms of it wasn't necessarily the most 
you know, entertaining football we've played this season. I think individually we've probably we've had better performances this season, but as a collective, as a team working for each other, it was absolutely superb, Gavin. It was a it was a really, really deserved victory. Yeah, and I think the probably the biggest compliment I can pay the uh, the Sunderland players is that you know you look at the quality in the Norwich team and none of their quality players stood out to me. No. You know, Max Ahrens, I know I mentioned him before there, but he, he was pulled pretty early into the second half. Hernandez out on the left had a stinker up against Trey Hume. Was yeah. was, you know, he did get the better of him a couple of times right at the start of the game, but after that he he was poor, I thought. And um Nunes, another really good player they've got, was brought off. Sarah, the, the Brazilian lad who played central midfield, totally ineffective because I don't think Michu Neil and uh, and Bar for most of the first half let them let them breathe really you know it was yeah. like I say from we we pressed brilliantly it was a different type of performance I actually think uh, you know it's probably daft saying it but you, you, I actually think if we could play teams who played like that every week we'd be right up the top end of the table because we've got the players to play against teams who sit uh, sit inside our half and and dictate the play we've got the players to break. We've got the players to expose the, the the gaps in the space. I think most of the attackers we've got really enjoy pressing and working from the front. And it's just a shame that we don't get to see this type of performance from us very often because more often than not, in the Championship, we're playing teams like like Rotherham and Coventry and that who, who are aware that we're pretty good with the ball and they're happy to do that against us. They're happy to yeah. sit back and stuff. So to me, it was a really refreshing watch and I don't know whether it was because I went into the game with with low expectations. I, I I didn't think we'd win. I thought we would get beat. And it was nice to see us play just a, slightly differently. I mean, I've been really critical of Tony Mowbray this week for just that run of three games. He didn't really change anything in terms of the way we set up in the games. And I felt yeah. that it was important that we tried something different here. And we did. I think we yeah. we, we sort of played that... Um, wide forward system at times that we played down at QPR and Abdullah Bar played a lot further forward than you would expect. Uh, Gelhart, I think in front of goal was poor and we'll come on to that. But I think in, as a team player, he'd done his job and grafted hard and pressed really well. Um, and and it, it was effective. It was really effective and it was good to see us trying something a little bit different, wasn't it? Just rather yeah. than the, the usual. And I, I guess... We were helped along a bit by the fact Norwich just wanted to keep the ball. I mean, like I said, stats, 70-odd percent possession from from Norwich, and they got beat. Just shows yeah. you, doesn't it, that you don't have to have all of the ball sometimes when, when it comes to winning a game of football. Well, it's the old saying, isn't it? You know, you can have less of the ball, but all of the goals. And I think that was a classic example, wasn't it, really? You know, it, ultimately, it's about it's about getting the ball into the right areas and taking your chances. But what impressed me the most, Gav, you know, just on this subject of, of, of kind of refreshing, I think that was a good way to describe it, actually. To me, it was as if the Stoke game never really happened because we were playing with such confidence today. You know, such freedom and belief in what we were doing. And I know, you know, you mentioned Misha there, and I thought he was excellent. I thought his on-the-ball work was good. Off the ball, he was fantastic. His work rate was absolutely excellent. And there were, there were countless others the same as well. But it was, you know, they didn't seem to be really carrying any kind of mental scars from that Stoke game. You know, it was as if they'd said, right, we've got to park this. And I think in fairness, I think this is where the likes of Onai and Bart really can play a big role as leaders because they can guide those youngsters. They can say, look, lads, you've had a bad day at the office. We've got to move on now. We've got to move past it. And we've got to, you know, we've got to turn in a performance here. So, yeah, just, just to see them playing... Um, as if everybody was rejuvenated. I mean, you mentioned um, Hernandez had a really bad time against Tri Hume. Hume, to me, looked you know reinvigorated. He was he was sharp. He was switched on. He made a few crunching tackles. He was good positionally. 
I wonder and how much that had to do with Lyndon Gooch being sat on the bench as well. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You've, you, you, and again, you know, having Gooch on that, I know we've often been critical of Gooch, but again, he could have a role to play as a squad player between now and the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I just like the way we, we kind of approached the game. It was if it was a new start, clean slate, part the stroke game, move on. And in fairness to Mowbray, Gav, I really do think you've got to credit them. And his post-match interview on Sky, where they were interviewed in Pitchside, I thought was really, really enlightening because he sounded like a man... You know, who was no longer carrying the burden that he'd been shouldering this week. He sounded a bit, you know, relieved. As if the pressure yeah. had been relieved off his shoulders, you know, giving us insights into how he's approaching it and so on and so forth. So I think Mowbray deserves credit, but I think his players really, really delivered from. Yeah, and it was a good start, wasn't it? You could tell from the off, though, though Norwich wanted the ball, we were right in their faces. We oh, pre- like I say, we pressed really well all over the yeah. park. I can't remember a game this season where we where we seemed to win the ball back so much. Like we intercepted yeah. everything. Just seemed like whenever Norwich were playing a pass in the sort of final third of the pitch, we cut it out. And it wasn't just it wasn't just the midfielders and the defense. It was everybody. Like there was one where I think Patrick Roberts won us a, a free kick in the second half, where he sort of scissor kicked it in midair just to stop the ball getting past, and then he retrieved it and carried on with it. And I was like, it's just like. A total attitude adjustment from us. Like we yeah. went in, we started the game. This is what I keep talking about this. You have to start games like that. And everybody has to be on the same page. If you start a game well, if you get a good 15, 20 minutes and you set the tone, the rest of the game flows from that point. If you start slowly, then you, you, you're sort of up against it for the majority of the game. So yeah, we, we started really, really well. Like I say, Norwich wanted wanted the ball, but it didn't really make a great deal of difference to us. Because we were working so hard and we understood the the one way to stop them from playing was to just get in their faces. And I think uh, if you look at the goal we scored, which was pretty early on, 15 minutes in, Abdullah Bar got his uh, first Sunderland goal. It was a, a, a good move from us, I think, sort of against the run of play a little bit. Uh, Gelhart plays a ball to Bar. And I think it was the commentator in the second half pointed out a bit of defending from us. And he said, if only the Norwich defence had done that when yeah. we scored... Because Hanley and I think it's Aarons and Gibson, they all they all back off from Bar. He does a little shimmy, a little step over. He finds a tiny pocket of space, and it's a great strike for somebody yeah. who who doesn't. I mean, you look at it, he's not really a goal scorer. I don't. I certainly don't think he is. But sensed his opportunity, took it well. Fantastic goal, and um, hopefully that's the the start of his Sunderland career in many ways because that's his homecoming, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he's had to be patient. You know, he's, he's obviously, you know, he's came from the Harvard, which obviously we know has, you know, produced quite a few talented players over the years. So they've obviously... Got to say, by the way, I don't understand the commentator's comparison with crew with the Harvard. It's a bit, yeah. It was a bit, yeah, it was a bit obtuse, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, well, I wasn't really sure what he was driving out there. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, he's had to be patient. He's had to wait his turn. Um, but he came in today and I thought his overall performance gap was excellent. I thought he mm-hmm. had some real drive his confidence on the ball, his willingness to, to get forward whenever he had the ball was really, really good. And I have to say, I thought the finish was phenomenal. The, the, the best angle for me was the behind the, the camera right behind him, the slow yeah. ball. Mm-hmm. When he just shifted it, just created that angle, and he just kind of passed it at the net. It was a really well-taken strike. And yeah, it was, it was great to see. And it was a, it was a well-taken goal. And it was, it was deserved as well. Because as you said, I mean, we were talking about this on our, on our live Twitter space on Friday night. And we were talking about how we haven't been winning the ball high up the park recently. You know, we've been, we've been deeper and deeper and deeper in games. And we completely, we completely flipped that around as well. And so, yeah, it was, it was a great goal, Gavin. I'm so pleased for him because I think he's a very talented footballer. He's got development to do. And I think Tony Mowbray was at pains to point that out in the interview after the game. I think he was stressing that, you know, again, we've got to be patient with these lads. They are going to have 
ups and downs in form. But again, you know, we give them the chances and they take them. And I think Bar, it was it was a great goal and it was a very, very impressive performance. Yeah, and it it's an interesting one, like I say, because that now gives, I guess, Tony Mowbray a, something well, something to think about because Ahmad's form hasn't been great. Yeah. And he was he was quick to talk him up after the game. He talked about how he feels he's Technically, perhaps the best player in the league. So yeah, he said you know, he was singing his praises. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Ahmad missed out through injury. Thankfully, not as bad as the rumours had suggested before the game. And I guess that's a lesson to us all to not necessarily believe everything you read online on on yeah. social media because most people had accepted that Ahmad was going to miss the rest of the season. And I think even the commentators referred to it on the TV. So it had had gone pretty far. Um, but he apparently he'll be back for the next game next week, so that's good news. But yeah, that means that Tony Mowbray's got something to think about, doesn't it? Because Bar wouldn't have started the game if Ahmad had been fit. I don't think. No. I know a lot of people would have dropped Ahmad based on his recent performances because he hasn't been great. To me, looked like he checked out mentally a little bit in recent weeks. Um, I don't know whether the week off might do him a favour, just to give him a, a refresher and. Perhaps even seeing somebody playing in his position and scoring might be the rocket he needs to think, oh, right, okay, I need to put my ideas up a little bit. But it does, doesn't it? It gives Tony Mowbray something to think about, and that means Barr's now firmly in his thinking going to the game on Wednesday because, again, yeah. Ahmad, I don't think, is going to be fit for that one. But brilliant. Barr's done fantastic for me. I think every time I've seen him, there's been a glimpse of something I guess the um, the worry I've got, and I think this is something Chris has said on pods recently, is that we don't really know his best position. Yeah. He was, when he signed, we were sort of told he was a ball-carrying midfield player, a central midfielder. But when I look at him, I don't see physically anyways quite yet that type of player. I think he's very slight. He does like a tackle, but I wouldn't say he's physically domineering. Doesn't look like the type of player who wants to get on the ball and move it five yards and retrieve it again. He looks like a player who wants to run with the ball, who wants to attack yep. teams. Not quite Ahmad, but certainly in that mould, and he's been played further forward. So, yeah, gives him something to think about going forward, doesn't it, with Bar? Yeah, and, you know, just on Ahmad, I mean, I love Ahmad. I think he's been absolutely brilliant for us, and I think Mowbray was right to highlight that. But recently, his, his demeanour on the pitch has looked a little bit downcast. He hasn't quite looked as sharp as he as he did. We know the quality he's got. He obviously scored that fantastic goal against Coventry. And as you said, Gav, you know Mowbray's got the options to make the changes now if if he so wishes. And I think that's crucial. I think we you know we always we talk about competition for places and we talk about you know players pushing each other and staking a claim whenever they're given that chance. And I think we saw a classic example of it here. I think Barr was given the opportunity. He played really really well. He scored uh, again. He grafted for the team just like everybody else did. And that will have left Mowbray, no doubt, thinking, well, okay, you know, Abdul has really done the business here today. That gives me something to think about, you know, for the games to come. And that's so, so crucial for Mowbray, Gav, because we know the limitations of the squad. We know that we haven't necessarily got the deepest squad in terms of personnel, which is, you know, again, we can that'll be an inquest for the summer. But we do have some quality who, players who can come in if needed. And I think I think Barb really ticks that box. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a good dilemma for Mowbray to have. Um, but again, it's going to be about managing his workload and making sure that we don't burn him out and that we're not putting too much expectation on him and so mm. on and so forth. So, yeah, I think he did everything he could and hopefully this could be the start of a good run for Abdul Abba. Yeah, the other big moment in the half was the the missed chance from Joe Gelhart. I know, like I said before, he had a, as a team performer goes, I think he, he had a good game. I think it's clear we, we, we can't beat around the bush really with his finishing. It's... it's 
not there really. I don't know. It's just not there. I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. And it, I think strikers when they go through a, a bit of a crisis of confidence, nothing goes right. Yeah. And if you're confident, they're, they're sort of going off your ass. They're going off your elbow, your head, and you're getting the goals. And you know, with with Gelhart, it just doesn't seem to be happening at the minute. And there was that that chance in the first half. I'm just so glad it didn't cost us. Yeah. Because if we were sat here talking about a one-all draw, I can guarantee you that all of the chat online and in the pubs and at work and on podcasts and whatever would be about that chance because it was it was glorious, really. He sort of he got played in on goal and was one v one with the goalkeeper, and you, you just think and put it either side of the keeper, and it's two 0 and he and he shoots straight at the goalkeeper. He, he just swipes at it, really. Just you know, there's no thought really in where the ball's going. He's just hitting it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like I say, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to dig him out because I think generally he had a good game, but at the same time, I think he's pretty lucky that didn't come back to bite us on the arse because you would expect most players to be able to finish that off. Yeah. I mean, I think on the positive side with Gavhart, Gav, I think you're absolutely right. His work rate was excellent. You know, he was getting into good positions. He was, you know, he was hunting the ball down when we lost it, and he was he was doing everything you know you would expect a striker to do to lead the line. Now, the chance that you're talking about again, it was a very very good chance, and I think you're absolutely spot on there. I think a confident striker who you know is thinking clearly and is in good form would make that decision in an instant. He knows left or right of the keeper, it's two 0 and it's you know I bury the chance and, and on we go. I just think in that moment it's it's that speed of thought that Gelhart's lacking at this moment in time, which could be to do with confidence, as you say. He's not quite hitting the goal trail at this moment in time, and it was one of those that you see strikers miss all the time when they're in a bit of a rut of form and it's not quite happening for them. Again, you know that chance could come to him in a, in a, in a game or two's time, and he might learn from that and it could go either side of the keeper. You know, in it goes and we're, we're in business. So again, I do think it's a confidence issue with Gelhart. I know, look, I. I know he was supposed to be the, the, the subject of interest from, I think, five championship clubs before we, we signed him. I'm not quite seeing why he was so hyped, personally. I'm not quite getting why there was such expectation around him, particularly from Leeds fans. There's no doubt that he's a good footballer. I'm not disputing that, but it's not quite happening for him. And, you know, you're absolutely right, Gav. He was, we were very fortunate today that that chance did not cost us big time because we were a little bit worse for the times. I mean, I know there was a one later in the game I think Jack Clark had the volley from the edge of the box, which then kind of bounced off the keeper, hit Gelhart on the chest. There's nothing you can do about that. But those chances could come back to haunt you on another day. So, yeah, yeah it was it was a good chance for him. Um, but all he can do, Gav, is keep grafting, can't he? You know, there's nothing more he can do. Mowbray is going to stick with him. I think that's perfectly obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think we've just got to have to hope that... I think you're right what you said there. He just needs one to go in somehow. I mean, the one he scored at Rotherham, you know, we're all thinking, great, this is going to be the start of Gelhart hitting the goal trail. And, you know, he hasn't really had a sniff since. So he just needs it to fall from. You know, if Gelhart can get one, maybe that could unlock something in him, Gav. You know, and I'd like to think it would because I really like what he brings in terms of work rate and his attitude's really good. But we do need goals from him. And at the minute, mm-hmm. it's not quite happening for him. Hopefully it could change because the service was into him today. You know, he was getting in good positions and he had a couple of good chances. So that wasn't an excuse today. But just think confidence is the issue with him at the moment. Yeah, Cam on Twitter has said, uh, Gelhart, not the most accomplished finisher, but has an excellent engine, which really helped us press higher up the pitch in the first hour. Not yeah. sure who else might offer that energy, except Gooch, whose right-back spot is surely gone to Hume. Stick or twist for Wednesday. You've just said that Mowbray will more than likely stick with them, and I think that's probably right. 
Matt B at Red and White Forever says Gelhart couldn't hit a barn door, but actually as a player got an assist and helped a lot with transitions from back to front and did a job. So yeah. I think people have recognised that he, you know, is he isn't playing terribly. It's just we need him to score goals. Like he's it, contributing, but he's not yeah. doing necessarily what you'd expect from him. You know, yeah. he's doing everything but scoring, which is good. And like you know, as that guy said, you know, he is helping the team and he is he is you know helping us to to, to kind of get forward, but. You know, if he can add the goals, which again is what he's been, and I know we have to keep stressing, Gav, that you know he is filling what's probably the most difficult position in the team to fill at this moment in time. That you know the giant Ross Stewart-shaped hole up front. You know, now anybody would struggle with that. You know, so I think you've got to give Gamhart some. You know, I think you've got to give him a period of grace there. But at the same time, you know, he is—he's got the engine. He's got the—you know—he's a stocky, fairly well-built footballer. And again, what was encouraging for me was the fact that, yeah, that he was getting into the positions. I think that's that's a start. I know we might be grasping straws a little bit, but you know we've got to start somewhere. And again, hopefully the next chance he gets, like that one, he can bury it. Because I think that would give him a massive shot of confidence. It really, really would. I think when you hear Tony Mowbray talk about how he isn't really interested in bringing through players, I think he was specifically asked about Harry Gardner from the 21s yeah. team. And he basically you know, said, no, it's not going to happen. I think that... If if you're Gelhart and you know you're going to be playing every week, that's got to be a lift. Like you know, eventually you are going to get the chance to score. That Rotherham game when he scored, he, he missed two or three really good chances before he put one away, and the one he scored was a really simple finish. Really, yeah. But he's just. I, th- I think I actually thought that the the little bit Robert Earnshaw did before the game on the Sky coverage was really good, and I think he would be wise to listen to that actually he said basically movement is everything he said in a team which creates chances with wide players you will get chances but you won't get them if you if your movement's not good enough and you're not yeah. moving in the right right areas and he said he feels from watching Gelhart recently that his movement he's coming too deep the showed his touch map on the tv and it was in comparison to Ross Stewart's and Ross Stewart's touch map was a lot further forward. Gelhart yeah. all seemed to be around the centre circle. And and yeah, I imagine he's getting really good advice off the coaches every day. But I think Tony Mowbray said this, you know, players instinctively, he was talking about the technicians in the team and he said instinctively they're not they're not natural goal scorers. So getting them sometimes to just shoot when it's when they want to pass it twenty times is difficult. Yeah. And that's the that's the barrier here, really, with Gelhart again is somebody who's probably not a natural goal scorer, we have to, in the next 10 games, try and get him to not be the player that he probably was when he arrived. We've got to try and difficult. get... Yeah, very, very difficult. You're effectively asking a footballer to kind of retrain his brain, if you like, when that can be very, very tricky. But we, we spoke about this after the Stoke game, didn't we? You know, and that he was... I know, you know, the whole team had a, had a really bad day. When, you know, Phil Jagielka pretty much had him covered in that game... And, you know, what we're looking for here is for that little burst of pace where he can play off the shoulder of the defender and get him behind, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, the service will come into him. So, again, you know, and if that's not Gelhart's natural game, which it obviously isn't, you know, that piece from Earnshaw really did highlight it, it's asking a lot of him to kind of retrain his entire footballing brain to say, right, I've got to do this. My instinct's telling me to do this, but my coaches are telling me I've got to do this. And, you know, that's not going to be easy. And the other thing as well that you've got to remember, Gab, is that he's not our player. He's only going to be with us for another 10 games. And then he's going to be 
back off to Leeds, where he'll no doubt fit back into the role that they originally intended for him. So it's a very tricky one with Gellhart. It really, really is. But I do like him as a player. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with his attitude or, his, or, or anything like that. Because, as you know, when uh, Abdullah Bar scored, he was one of the first guys on the scene to congratulate him. So I think he's a team player. I think he's he's committed. I don't doubt that. I just think he's finding it a little bit tough in front of the goal at this moment in time. But he is trying, and I think you've got to commend him for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Half-time then came around, and I felt pretty happy with what I'd seen, apart from that missed chance. I was hoping it wasn't going to uh, bite us on the arse. And Norwich, they responded by bringing on a striker. They brought on Josh Sargent, who did he score in the first game? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. I think he's their top scorer. He's been, I think he was, he's been injured for a couple of weeks, but quality play at this level. Yeah, really good. They they felt they really needed to get a an early grasp on the second half because, you know, the first half from a Norwich perspective was was not good. And the changes continued to flow from there, didn't they? I think Hernandez came off, they brought on Marquinhos, who's a good player, but again we just didn't let him play. Uh they they took off Aaron's, the right back, who's normally their their real creative outlet from that side of the pitch because he get, likes to get forward, likes to whip it in. Yeah. I think he's of this squad. He's one of the players who you would say is Premier League quality, and it's a testament to how well we played. I mean, Luke O'Neill and um, and Jack Clark in particular that he he was pretty ineffective, and um, they they thought to bring him off. I see a lot of credit has to go to our players from a defensive standpoint, doesn't it? But the reason I bring that up is because Luke O'Neill to me for some just what do you say about him like? Well, you got your wish at least, Gav. You got your wish for him to be back in the team at least. But, but how 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 important is he to the way we set set the tone in games? Like when you see him in the ninety fifth minute of the game or whatever it was, yeah, nearly snapping his man in half to win a header, and then leaving him in a heap on the floor, winning the ball, fist pumping because he's so happy that he's won the the challenge. Yeah, like if you've got a player like that in your team, it rubs off on everybody else. It has he's to indispensable. He's utterly and, indispensable, guy. Yeah, and, and and I know that Danny Bart got man the match off Sky, but for me, Luke O'Neill was just unbelievable again. Playing playing on the left of the... I don't think he's ever played left-back before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's... The thing, the thing about O'Neill is that, you know, you, you know, we know that he's maybe not the best technician on the ball, but what he gives you is he gives you... you know you, you, any, any team that's got Luke O'Neill in it is not going to take a backward step. I think we've got to stress that first and foremost because that's the way he is. He's a confrontational player... You know, he's a, he's a happy-go-lucky, jovial character. But when it comes down to a game of football, he's a, he wants to win. You know, he, let's make no bones about that. You know, he's a, he's a committed player. He'll do everything in, in his power to to help the team to get a result. And to me, today, Gav, he played like a man who had a real point to prove. You know, he was desperate. You could see it in his performance. He was bursting to get onto that pitch and make an impression, make sure that we stopped that rot. It was a fantastic performance from him. And as you said, I thought... You know, 9 was, was was obviously a part of that, but I just thought overall, from a defensive point of view, there was far more structure to our play. You know, we were organised, there was more resilience. Again, in a complete polar opposite, really, from the Stoke game, where we were really at sixes and sevens defensively a lot of the time. Much more composed today at the back. Um, I thought Bart and Ballard were excellent again. I thought Hume, as I said earlier, I thought he was reinvigorated. But O'Neill, like you said, Gav, he sets the tone. The attitude rubs off on his teammates because they see him... You know, if, if you're one of O'Neill's younger teammates and you see him you know, busting a gut, even as the seconds are ticking down at the end of the half or at the end of a game, that's the baseline level. You know, I think O'Neill understands that playing for this club demands, you know, a basic standard that you have to hit every single time. And if he misses that, he's not happy about it and that's the way it should be. 
So, yeah, I think bringing him back into the team, was it was the right move. And I hope now, you know, I said earlier, I think if, if we're going to end the season on a positive note, you have to keep 0-9 in that starting eleven, Gav. You have to because you need that attitude, as you said. You know, you need that, that resilience and that never-say-die attitude that he brings to the team. It's absolutely vital. Yeah, and he was probably the star of the show for the... Uh... <laughs> the moment of the game other than the goal, I would say. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you really say about that? He, uh, he, he stuck the lips on Sorensen, one of the subs, didn't he? Um, got into <laughs> a little bit of a battle. Sorensen wasn't happy that O'Neill had pushed him and was laughing in his face. Gets right up close and he sticks a kiss <laughs> on him. I've uh, not quite seen anything like that on a football pitch, but you don't know what to expect with O'Neill, do you? That's the point. Um, he, he can be quite unpredictable. I mean, obviously, it was the, piggy, <laughs> the piggyback thing against Bristol City and there was the... The diving head for a celebration, I think, at Huddersfield, was it, when he, when he, when, <laughs> yeah. when he scored? So, um, Yeah, Adam Heggett, he suggested maybe setting up a Luke 09 kissing booth. He says if we, uh, <laughs> he's asked how much money could we raise. I reckon we could give LND a new contract after half an hour. Probably right, the amount of uh, yeah. fans who wouldn't mind a switch off man <laughs> for one, certainly. Um, but yeah, 09. But yeah, you know, but on, on, on a serious note, Gavio, you know, I think there have been times this season when you know, we have been a little bit too respectful towards our opponents, and I think we have been a little bit... I wouldn't necessarily say we've been cowed by the quality that we faced, but I think there have been times where we've where we've given them a little bit too much respect. And I think what Onayan does, I think Onayan brings that. He said, look, let's get in their faces, let's not take a backward step, and let's see who blinks first. And you need that, Gav, you absolutely need that. You know, it, it, it's a vital ingredient for any football team, no matter if you're playing in the Champions League or if you're going for a promotion from League One or whatever it might be, you need those characters in your team who will drive the team on. And for I think the, the, the thing for 09 is, I think you could sum it up by saying that there's no such thing as a lost cause as far as Luke 09 is concerned. He will chase everything, no matter how the game is going, no matter how you know forlorn the hope might be, he will chase it and he will keep going. And that's mm. an absolutely vital component for Sunderland at this moment in time. Brilliant. Just a, a proper shithouse. And yeah. you've just said it there, like we've been soft at times this season. We've been soft at times in the last fortnight. Yeah. And he hasn't been on the pitch, and that's been our, our my certainly my key criticism of the team selection in recent weeks is why is he not being involved? Because when you need somebody just to irritate the opposition a bit, yeah. he's your man. You need somebody to perform on, on, on set pieces, maybe you need someone who's gonna be clever and not get caught by the referee. That's your man. You need yeah. somebody who's gonna win you a a really crucial challenge or header. At a point in the game where it you could use that lift, easier man. He done it again. Like I said, he done it in injury time. That header, where it was a, a nothing header really. I mean, the Norwich player wasn't expecting to get clattered like he did. And to me, that's that's him showing us, showing them. No, we aren't. We aren't letting you back in this game, mate. You know, absolutely. See the rest of the time out, and we're coming off this pitch with three points. So uh, yeah, just awesome again, Luke O'Neill and. I feel like at this point I'm probably his biggest fan and I talk him up so much, but it's with merit. I keep coming back to this. The majority of fans, I think, when we got promoted, possibly thought that this might be a step too far for Luke O'Neill and yeah. he is never going to let anybody tell him he can't do something. Yeah. You tell you put him left back, centre, I, I, playing him even in defence. You know, I've, I think if um, if we'd had left back options in Cirkin and Elysee, I would have been tempted to play him centre mid today because yeah. I think we've been missing a bit of that in the middle. And we didn't, by the way. I think, you know, you've got to give credit to Dan Neal and Michaud. They they done brilliant today in terms of their work off the ball. 
and Luke O'Neill coming in at, at left back, a position he's never played, and he just doesn't care. He gets on with it. He gets on. Yeah. Like a lot of the times we talk about Luke O'Neill, we caveat the whatever we're about to say by saying, well, technically he's not the best. But I actually think technically he's a lot better than people give him credit for. I can't think of many players who could just go and play a different position and just slot in like that. Like yeah. he he used his left foot as much as he used his right foot. And it I don't know. I just think that he's a lot better than he'll ever get credit for. And we're very lucky to have him. From my point of view, Gav, I mean, if you think about it, he's been at the club for five years now, or he, he joined us when we were first relegated to League One. Mm. So he's been there through the dark days, if you like. You know, the you know the struggles to get out of League One, the bad results, the heavy defeats. You know, obviously that you know the, the the playoff final defeat at Charlton, and then obviously tasting success in the playoffs against Wickham last year. So you know, I think he understands that, and he I think he's made it his personal mission to kind of restore this club back to the level that we'd or to try and restore this club back to the level that we'd all like it to be at. So, you know, I think the phrase, oh, he cares about the club or he gets the club, I think that's bandied about a bit loosely nowadays. But in O'Neill's case, I think he really, really does because I think he's an honest footballer, Gav. I don't think there's any... There's no show with O'Neill. You know, he's, he's, I don't think he puts on a facade or anything like that. I think he's a kind of a very much a what-you-see-is-what-you-get type of player. But, you, you know, you're absolutely right, is that he will do a job wherever it is, he is asked to do a job. You know, in his time at Sunday, he's been all over the pitch. You know, and I mean, I, I remember when we played Sheffield Wednesday um, last season in, uh, in the regular season, we beat them five nil at home, and O'Neill was fantastic that day. He was spraying the ball about. He was, he was, he was, you know, he was passing the ball about like any as good a player as you care to name. So I do think his technical ability can be underrated at times, actually. But I think he's the kind of player who mm. will empty the tank every single game, and you can't put a price on that. No, Darren Burke says O'Neill needs to be on the pitch every game, whether centre back, full back, midfielder, up front. But where would you guys ideally have him play? And I actually don't have an answer for that. Neither do I. I don't no. know. I'd just put him wherever he's needed. Yeah. I think, you know, there's been times where I've felt we need him in midfield and he hasn't been played there. I think long term, he just has to be available to play wherever he's needed. Yeah. And and you you can't underestimate how important those players are to a team. Like look at Lyndon Gooch coming on. I'm not a massive Gooch fan. I think, you know. Very frustrating footballer, in my opinion. But if you want someone to come on when you're 1-0 up against a team who's having all of the ball and just help you press from the front, I've got no doubt he's one of the best players in the team to do that because yeah. he will just go on the pitch, he'll do the job that he's asked to do and he'll do it to the best of his ability. So those players are invaluable, to be honest, in your squad. You you know, yeah. You, you, we have players who are of aren't very versatile. We've got lads who can only probably play in the position that they're in, and the the joy of a player like Luke O'Neill is is that you can you can like this week for instance we lost Elise for the season. Certain uh, there's no time on when he's going to be back, so we've been forced to play him left back really, and it I, I wasn't worried when I when I seen him playing there because I felt well he's I know I know he'll do his job. He's, yeah. It's a difficult question to answer that, really, to be honest. what Where where would I play him ideally? Because it depends who we're playing, depends who else is fit in the squad. Like He doesn't have a settled position, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I think John O'Shea, before he came to Sunderland, for instance, he, his whole career, that was his career at Manchester United. He just played wherever Alex Ferguson asked him to play. Yeah. Some players, that, that is their role in a team. And I don't think 09's got any problem with that either. He just loves being on the pitch. It doesn't matter where he goes. Quite enjoys the challenge, doesn't he? Of being wherever he's just being put wherever he's told to go. 
I think he does, yeah. And I think that, you know, you mentioned there that you have certain players who are only comfortable in one position. That's fine. Not a problem with that. You know, identify a player's strengths, put them in the position to make, take advantage of those strengths, and, you know, that will yield results, hopefully. But with someone like O'Neill, who is multi-positional and adaptable as a footballer, that's a very, very, you know, useful weapon to have in your armory. And I think Mowbray, you know, we, we speculated on whether or not there was a trust issue between him and O'Neill recently because he hadn't really been getting much of a look in. I think if there was, I think that's probably been dispelled today because I think he was absolutely fantastic. He didn't let Mowbray down today at all. I think Mowbray, in that changing room, I think, you know, he would have given O'Neill a huge pat on the back. Yeah, I think that, you know, having those players in your squad who can cover, you know, a variety of different positions is important because, you know, we are battling a, a, an injury list at this moment in time. You know, we are having problems with injuries and, and players who are unfit, which is, you know, for various reasons. Obviously, you know, some of them are out long term, some of them hopefully back before the end of the season. But, you know, having someone like Luke O'Neill who you can call on, I think Mowbray, I'd like to think they've got a really strong relationship, those two. You know, you get the, you know, sometimes you look at a player and his manager and you just think, yeah, they're really, they're on the same page, they're on the same wavelength. And I'd like to think it's the same with O'Neill and Mowbray. I think O'Neill, to a certain extent, is an older head on young shoulders. You know, he plays like a man, you know, kind of mature beyond his years, if you, if you see what I mean. You know, he, he kind of, he's a bit of an old school player and a young guy's mm. body type of thing, if that makes any sense. So, yeah. I think Mowbray loves players like that. I really do. So, um, you know, in response to the question, I probably wouldn't have him in a single position. I would just have him on standby, ready to fill in where necessary, identify the position, Luke, go in there, do a job. You know, we trust you to do so. And he will do that without any he will do that without any question at all, Gavin. I think that's fantastic. It really is. Yeah, a couple of other points before we round round off on the game. Dan Neal, I, I briefly mentioned him before, but given the, the fact we've talked so much about the lack of steel in midfield recently, I think we do have to give him and Mishu credit, don't we, for the way they played? Because they both, like I said at the top, they both recognised that they weren't going to have much of the ball and that they had to work hard. Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? We've had a question from Chris Hurst who says, Daniel, good reaction after last week's spoiler. I'm a massive Daniel fanboy. Uh, but yeah, good reaction from, from Daniel, wasn't it? Excellent. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I mean, I've been, I was a bit concerned before the game because I felt he was running on fumes to a certain extent and certainly the Stoke game probably would have been a very, very harsh lesson for him. Um, but I thought he was excellent. I thought him and Misha really, really good in the middle of the park. Um, they looked reinvigorated. You know, they looked as if they were really up for the battle. And their off-the-ball work, Gav, was, was excellent as well. You know, we, as you said, you know, we knew that we were going to have to work very, very hard without the ball to keep Norwich at bay and to make sure that we, we created the platform for ourselves. And I thought Misha and Neil did that. They were on the same wavelength today. I thought the midfield today, there was much more steel in there. It was kind of reminiscent of Neil's performances going into the new year when he had that real purple patch after the World Cup when he was looking that really improved. He was looking physically more durable. And Misha, we know the quality he's got. Um, and it was great to see him playing so well as well. So, yeah, it was it was a bit of a surprise to see Neil start the game. Um, and obviously, I know Pierre Equois came on. I think he looked a little bit rusty. I think probably he's one for the future. I think Equa was probably one who we're going to see the best of maybe next season. But um, nope, neither Misha, very impressive, Gavin. I thought it was good for them. That was, a, again, you know, as a response to Stoke, I think, to kind of lay some demons to rest, I thought that was a perfect game for them. It really was. Yeah, I think Dan Neal, for me, is a, a talented boy who, I don't know, he, get, he, he sort of gets stuck between overplaying and underplaying. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense, but like, he will... He will pass the ball at times like a like a top quality midfielder. And then there's other times where he'll play them in on goal the other team. And I guess you you, you do have to remember his age. He is only twenty one, and this is his first season in the championship. He's going to make mistakes. I think what's very clear, by the way, 
is that they have a lot of faith in him because even when he's making errors, they're, they're sticking with him. And I know we don't yeah. have a, a ton of other options in centre mid, but I think it's very clear they've said, no, we have to stick with this lad. We have to. Yeah. And Mishu as well, by the way, because Mishu, if we, I think I mentioned this the other week, but if we stand any chance of signing him permanently, he, he has to be playing games, right? He's, he's not going to come back to Sunderland if he's sat on the bench all season, he's not really played and not feels like he hasn't really been given a fair chance or improved. When I first saw Mishu right at the start of the season, I thought, Jesus, he's too small to play at this level. So physically, he's not going to be up to it. When you look at him, like the camera did a, a close up on him today, and he looks like a little boy. You would, you, if if someone had told me he was fourteen or fifteen year old, I wouldn't have like been surprised or, or disagreed with him. I was like, yeah, he probably, yeah, right, okay. He, he looks really young, but yeah. I think in the last couple of months, when you know, give or take a couple of bad performances here and there, but I, I think he's added to his game. He isn't. He's probably been used to a, a PSG. In the in the brief cameos he's made and in training and you know not really having to do a lot of graft off the ball and the English game in comparison to whatever level PSG are playing at in the French league where they probably just have ninety odd percent of the ball and dominate most games it, it's very different he's probably had to do a lot of learning and I think you know when you when you listen to Tony Mowbray talk about how much he trusts the young players. And, and I think Ekwar, you mentioned there's one who he's basically said needs to earn his trust. Mishu obviously has because he's went from a bit part role to now one of the first names on the team sheet, possibly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, like I say, we, we've got to give them credit. I think they've been very poor for a few weeks now, maybe longer than that. And this was a different type of challenge for them where they, they were expected to graft a little bit more but unlike the Stoke game where I just felt they were easily bullied, this time they weren't. And hopefully this is the this is the start of a sort of a rebirth, if you like, in this sort of last ten games, is that they're now gonna not allow what happened against Stoke, Rotherham and Coventry happen again. Because yeah. we were walked through far too easily in those games. We don't need to go back over it, but in this game, very different. We played a team with I mean their central midfield players are probably their best players. And we didn't let them breathe. It was great. No, I mean, I think, I think what you have to bear in mind is that, is that you know, culturally, it would have been a huge shock for Mishu coming over here, Gav, because obviously, mm. you know, being part of that Galactico squad, you know, in in Paris, um, you know, training with world class superstars, and and you know, like you said, their their style of football is probably based around dominating possession, you know, and the challenge probably, you know, like they said, work rate is probably not high as high on the agenda as it is over here. So he's obviously come over here, you know, with a view to furthering his career and obviously development. And it's a it's a totally different you know culture. It's a different style of football. It's a different way of working. You're working with different characters in training. It's a, you know everything's different. And I think that we, you know, we often I think we often put kind of unfair expectations on these lads. We expect them to be brilliant after one game, three games, however long it might be. Footballers develop at different paces. We all know that. You know, some are brilliant right out of the box. Some take time. And I think Mishu has been a slow burner. I mean, the Middlesbrough game when he came on. And he really took the chance. I think that was his breakthrough for Sunderland. I think he's been excellent by and large since then, with one or two dips, as you said. But with Dan Neon, I think you mentioned you know he can be a bit indecisive, and I think that's probably right. I think what I'd like to see from Neil is a bit more you know authority in his play. I think I'd like him just to just to have a bit more courage of his convictions on the ball to say I'm going to make this pass, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and commit to it. You know, and show everybody that he's got the confidence to be able to, to run a midfield at this level. Because we know his technical ability, but you're right, he can have these lapses in concentration from time to time. 
And, you know, he's got to cut that out of his game, you have, if he wants to keep improving for us. Yeah. We round off with some three-word reviews, I think, from the Rote Report followers on Twitter. Uh, fans fanzine saying normal service resumed. Anthony Richardson, strikers are overrated. Um, <laughs> Dale Robson, Abdullah Bar. I don't think that's three, mate. Uh, Craig says, gives a kiss. Tim <laughs> Mogger, tactics, spot on. Again, not three words, but we'll let you off. Uh, Michael Bowers, clean fucking sheet. Pete Watson, solid defensive show. Uh, Dazzler, win despite ref. We haven't mentioned the ref. Abysmal. Shite again. Like every yeah. week, isn't it? What is. I, I wish I wish we could do something about it, but we just sort of have to just grit our teeth and get on with it. Every week, crap refs. That one in the first half, we <laughs> totally forgot about this. Jack, when. when Jack Clark sort of does Max Aarons and he's about to bear down on goal and win the ball. And Aarons yeah. falls to the floor. He hasn't even touched at all. Yeah. And the ref straight away blows. And I'm just like, what? Unbelievable. But that was the that was the start of it. The rest of the game was terrible. We he gave away so many stupid every time Norwich went down, and it was 99 times out of a hundred there were dives. There weren't there was no contact or very little minimal contact. Straight away blown for it, given free yeah. kicks. It's just every week. I'm glad it didn't cost us mine, but another useless ref, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one for me, I mean, I think that the Aaron's one in the first half, maybe Jack Clark breathed on him too heavily and he just decided <laughs> to collapse to the ground, which the referee deemed a foul. I mean, the, the one that stood out for me, Gav, was the Danny Bart one in the second half. When he came in, okay, it was a, it was a hard thumping challenge oh, that yeah. he made, but the, mm-hmm. the replays clearly showed that he won the ball. Okay, he got the man, but he won the ball. And that, you know, again, and we keep talking about, you know, back in the day, it wouldn't have been a foul, but it's the inconsistency from referees that is really frustrating because, you know, they're making decisions on a weekly basis. That It seems to me that they're, that they're, they're redefining the criteria for a foul on every single game. But there's no consistency and there's no accountability either. And, I th- you know, you're absolutely right. You know, thank God that we were able to na- navigate our way through that game without his ineptitude costing us because, you know, on another day, it could have gone the other way. Yeah. Gavin Evans says, Luke O'Neill immense. Luffy says, put her up, baby. Uh, the devil <laughs> of Hadge says, stopped the bleeding. Uh, SFC Pete says, what a response. Michael Neal says, great team effort. GMZ uh, says, I love Mishu. Rob Ellison Davidson says, a new week. Absolutely. We've tried to forget about what's happened before. <laughs> uh, Richard Barlow, big Dan Ballard. We, have, we might as well give a word to him as well. He was... Unreal again, and we just mentioned uh, Bart. The pair of them were, were brilliant, weren't they? Yeah. Ballard is just a, a joy to watch. Like he has everything you want in the centre half, and he. Yeah, I mean, you can see that pedigree. You know, he, he was obviously a two-time Arsenal um, FA Youth Cup. I think he won the FA Youth Cup, skipped them to two FA Youth Cup successes, if memory mm-hmm. serves correctly. So he's got that pedigree, Gav, and he's been fantastic. And again, you know, he's he's come back from injury. He's obviously, you know, he was obviously out for quite a while, um, and obviously. A certain Luke O'Neill at centre back as well during that time regularly, <laughs> which was pretty impressive. But uh, no, him, him, and him and um, and Danny Bath together have been really, really good today. And again, I think you know just for confidence, just to reinstall that in them, you know, just to get them, you know, back on an even keel after the Stoke game. Perfect response for them. Really, really impressive. Yeah, Will Green says back on track. Jack says the friendly cup, and we'll end on Log Cutter who says panic over lads. Panic yeah. over, or are you, are you looking up the table now rather than down? Very much so. Yeah, yeah very much so, Gav. I think that you know, for as you know, as long as we were kind of south of that fifty points mark, there's always that little doubt in the back of your mind about you know possibly getting 
drag down a little bit further. But I think mm. now I, I don't want to start saying that they can slacken off or anything like that because I want them to keep going full throttle to the end. You know, you look back at some of the points we've dropped and it could be, you know, we could be better off, but that's all this buts and maybes. But yeah, you know, we were saying before the game, Gav, weren't we, that, you know, the, the picture could change entirely with a victory in this game. You know, that it, it would be great for morale and every you know every everything would look a little bit more positive if we if we won and we've done exactly that so it just shows the power of a good performance and a good result and everybody goes into this week now into what's going to be a tough run of games as we've said with a bit more optimism a bit more belief and more confidence so yeah it was a really good day really really happy with it yeah and that leads us nicely into the the Chef United game on Wednesday night at the Stadium of Light are you looking forward to it i'm looking at their form two uh, two defeats and three lost on yeah. On the weekend against Luton, who obviously we play in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. You know, again, you know, had we had we lost today, there might have been a bit more. Well, there probably would have been a lot of trepidation ahead of that Sheffield United game. But I think, you know, the way we won today, the performance, you know, the, the, some of the individual performances, or nine coming in, Bar looking really good. Um, it, it, it's it's I think it's an exciting game, Gavin. Again, you know, we were. You know, and I remember in the reverse fixture, obviously Dan Neil's red card, you know, really did alter the dynamic of that game. And we were, you know, I didn't think we were outplayed, but we, we we did look a little bit short of them in terms of quality. But again, you know, they're they're you know they're being hunted down by Middlesbrough. They're having to, you know, they're trying to keep up that race for an automatic promotion spot. So you know, there's no there's no reason why we can't ruin their ruin their day on Wednesday. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, Gav. I really really am. Yeah, I think um, I'm a lot more happy and confident about that game than I was yeah. even like 24 hours ago because yeah. it, it it does look nightmarish on paper and I actually didn't think we'd win any of the next four games and then we go and beat Norwich. So it just shows what I know. But um, <laughs> I, I can't see why we would fear anything really because if we lose, then people will say, well, they're second in the table. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would, I would probably take a point now if it was offered, but looking at, Sheffield United's form, they don't seem to like a draw, and uh, neither do we. So you never know. You never know. Yeah, Why not take one. the game to them? And like I say, these games, to me, there's no pressure on them. Um, I, I've been banging on for weeks, really, now. I think we have to just look optimistically at the rest of the season, regardless of how many injuries we've got, regardless of um, of re- recent results and, and all the rest of it. We just have to use this as an opportunity You've got to give credit to Tony Mowbray. The team he picked. Huge credit. Um, Huge credit. The team he picked wasn't massively different, but he brought in Bar. It was a different system. The way he managed the game, he brought in players who I feel need a chance and need minutes. Lee Haji, Ekwa, you know, you can talk about how they played or whatever. But in, in the end, we got the we got the win, so everybody did their job in that sense. We've just got to use these as opportunities now to to keep pushing on. The playoffs aren't totally out of reach. We're only five points behind Millwall, and I say it only. That is still quite a gap, but we're playing teams above us in the table, which brings everybody closer. You know, we yeah we, we somehow beat Sheffield United, and then you you're thinking about playing Burnley and Luton, and think, well, what pressure is there on these games? There's none really for those teams. There's probably a lot more on more pressure riding on it, particularly yeah. Sheffield United and Luton, because like you just said, Sheffield United have got Borough breathing down their necks. Luton are a fourth in the table, and um, you know you look at the the rest of the playoffs there and. They can't really afford to lose many because then they start dropping out the playoffs like we did. So yeah. it's, like I say, I don't think there's any pressure on us. I, th- I think we've been very cute with how how we talk about the playoffs. Not us, wrote a report, but um, the club. They've been very cute and very clever and they've tried not to mention it too much. They, when they get asked about it, they sort of brush it off. 
And I think actually that might be the right approach just because the players don't need that pressure. I think that's the key. I think that's what Mowbray has been trying to do to create yeah. that kind of, you know, to just ease the pressure on them a little bit and, and just to kind of not me not turn every game into such a high-stakes game. But what I would say as well, Gav, is that, you know, if we are preparing for another season in the Championship, we're going to have to go, if we want to go one better next year, we're going to have to go through these tough fixtures and we're going to have to take on some tough teams. So it could be a good learning experience for the young lads, really. You know, this next kind of swing of fixtures that we've got coming it could be a really good learning experience for them because they're going to they're gonna find out what it's like to play the best teams in the division, to see what their qualities are, to see where their potential weaknesses are. That could be massive next season if we're aiming for, to go on better. So, yeah, there's a lot to be gained from the remaining 10 games. Well, that leaves us with uh, nothing else to say, Phil. Thank you very much for joining us, mate, as Thanks, always. Scott. Thank you very much. Cheers to the listeners. Uh, being there every step of the way with us. Um, I know it's been tough the last couple of weeks, but hopefully this one's been a... A nicer listen for you because uh, we don't enjoy moaning. We don't enjoy slagging the team off or the manager off or pointing out issues when really they could do with our support. But I think there's been a big reset mentally and uh, hopefully this leads to better things as the season ends. So catch you next time. There's for another three points hopefully on Wednesday. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.